everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. I was thinking about breath. Do you ever find yourself having bad breath? Seriously, do you ever like say, man, I got some bad breath? Or maybe your spouse has bad breath. You know the honeymoon is over when you say, babe, you've got to do something about that breath. We have bad breath. We try to cover bad breath. We try to cover it by flossing and brushing and using mouthwash. And then, of course, the ubiquitous breath mints. We love the breath mint. I read a couple of days ago that Altoids and Lifesavers bring in $4 billion annually. We want some good breath, don't we? Here's a life lesson, though. You can, you can take this home. Anytime anyone ever offers you a breath mint, take it. <laughs> Would you like a breath mint? Let's do it together. Would you like a breath mint? Yeah. When we do that, we're saying, your breath is horrible. It's passive aggressive. Would you like a breath mint? Take the breath mint. I did an experiment yesterday before one of our many services. We were in rehearsals and I ate some hummus. You know, I love hummus. Hummus is just great, great. But when I eat it, it really sticks to me. I mean, I can walk in the house and Lisa's like, have you had hummus, babe? It's that bad. So I just walked around and started talking with some of our staff, and I knew I had hummus breath. I knew I had bad breath, and I wanted to watch them kind of lean back. I got a little bit too close. You know, sometimes people invade your private space. I did that, and I just watched them kind of. And finally, I said, do I have bad breath? They were like, yeah, you do smell like you've eaten hummus. (laughs) Bad breath. When someone has bad breath, we don't lean into it. We back off. Breath, breath, breath mints, breath mints. We use breath mints to cover our bad breath. And talking about breath, I Google this so you know it's accurate. <laughs> I was born March 16th, 1961, and I've taken 454 million 878,000. 720 breaths during my life. That's a lot of breath, and that's a lot of bad breath. I read that if you eat clean and have good genetics, you live to be, I don't know, 80 years old, you will use up 300 tons of oxygen. Breath. I don't really think about breathing, do you? It's just kind of a reflexive thing. We just... Let's do it together. Inhale and exhale. Inhale. (sighs) Exhale. And if I talk about breathing too much, inhaling and exhaling too much, some will start to hyperventilate. Oh my gosh, I'm breathing. I'm I'm breathing. You know, so just, just, just let it go. Just relax and breathe, breathe, breathe. Yet we have breath and living things breathe. Life means breath and breath means life. My first experience with bad breath happened when I was in school. I was taught by a guy named Colonel Robert Kerr. He taught history 
and Colonel Kerr lived on camel cigarettes and coffee. When I would walk up to his desk, I had to get my game face on. It's like, man, I'm going to get hit with the hurricane of halitosis, you know. I was like, whoa! It was absolutely awful. Breath, bad breath. You know, we have bad breath, good breath, or God breath. We have bad breath, say it with me, good breath or God breath. One more time, we have bad breath, good breath, or God breath. Our bad breath was given to us by a man named Adam. You remember Adam. Adam was a sand sculpture. God breathed breath into his nostrils and he became a living being. Genesis chapter two, verse seven. And the title of this message is the breath mint of Easter. Mint is spelled M-E-A-N-T. That's where I'm going. That's the subject. Well, here's Adam. He's a sand sculpture. The guy's ripped. And all of a sudden, God breathes life into him. Genesis chapter two, verse seven. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Now think about that for a second. God breathing on Adam, in Adam's nostrils. He literally had the breath of God. And then it said the man became a living being. And from there we know that Eve came into the picture in this gorgeous supermodel. They were the perfect couple. They were managing the garden, which should put to rest the argument over what is the oldest known profession, landscaping. Some of you will get that later up there in the balcony, but that was, that was pretty funny. So Adam has received the breath of God. We have options, right? Bad breath, good breath, or God breath. Adam, though, decided to blow off God's directive. He decided to blow off God's purpose and meaning. He said to himself, I'm going to do what I'm going to do Eve did the same thing. Suddenly, their God breath turned into bad breath. And then they tried to cover up their bad breath. And the Bible says, this is kind of funny, when they sinned, when they, when they blew off God, they tried to cover up their nakedness using fig leaves. It's the first example we have of a Speedo or a bikini. I, th I thought it was pretty funny. That didn't work. Isn't it interesting how we try to cover up our sin? Think about our breath. We have bad breath. There's nothing I can do about my bad breath. I can try to cover it up, but I got bad breath. So do you. Well, what do we do with our bad breath? We try to disguise it. We try to say, okay, I'll have good breath, and we'll have good breath for a while. However, good isn't good enough. Good is not good enough. I like to work out, and I've been working out recently with a friend of mine named Ryan, and the other day we were on one of those demonic rowing machines. Have you seen one of those things? There were like three of them side by side, so I jumped on one, and I began to row. Ryan goes, give me 300 meters. 
And I'm thinking to myself, because I'm competitive, I look to the guy to my right, I'm going, oh, I can row faster than him. We're about the same age, but there's no way he can keep up with me. Then I saw an older guy on the last rowing machine. He's like in his 80s. I'm saying to myself, oh, I can definitely beat him. <laughs> well, this guy next to me beat me. I mean, just embarrassed me. Smoke was coming out of the rowing machine. It was that bad. But the 80-year-old guy, oh, I beat him, <laughs> tore him up. And I got off that machine, and I'm like, <gasps> and I'm thinking to myself, I went 300 meters. I put all that energy and effort into it, but I haven't gone anywhere. And I'm trying to compete against this person or that person, yet we haven't traveled one meter, really. But I'm out of breath. Could it be that some of you are out of breath? You're like, okay, I'm gonna row. And I'm going to row and I'm going to get to that place financially. And once I make that salary, once I close that deal, that's going to give me like nirvana. I'm going to be like, oh, that's it. But as you look, you're like, and I'm out of breath, but I haven't gone anywhere. I mean, I've gone faster than him or faster than her, but I'm not gaining any traction. There's no real meaning and purpose well, maybe you think, okay, it's about a relationship with a person and you work and you work and you work. <gasps> and finally, you meet that person. Maybe you walk down the wedding runner. Maybe you have that contact or whatever it is and you think, okay, that'll do it. But you're saying to yourself, man, I'm rowing and rowing and rowing, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm out of breath. I'm out of breath. Could it be that some here are out of breath? Well, the great news of Easter is God wants to breathe his breath into your life. The good news of Easter is a lot of us are walking around, we're alive, but we're not really breathing. God breathed breath into the first Adam and Adam blew God's directives off. Well, here's what God did. Here, here's the amazing thing about God. Even though we have bad breath, Jesus does not lean back. He leans into our bad breath because he can't wait to forgive, to cleanse, and to change a life. And he does it by breathing the breath of life. Adam received life when God breathed into his nostrils the breath. He chose to go his own way, and from that day forward, we have been struggling with bad breath. Now and then we'll do some good stuff. But again, good isn't good enough, but God is God enough. We can try to keep our nose clean, to pay our taxes, to give to charities or whatever, but God can only breathe perfect breath. And that's scary. I don't have perfect breath, you don't either. God can only breathe perfect breath because all of us have bad breath. So here's what God did. God commissioned his only son, Jesus, to live perfectly. He was fully God and fully man. Jesus breathed perfectly. You're talking about a breath meant, every breath he took meant something. Pristine, it was perfect, it was righteous. The intentionality was just ridiculous. He had perfect breath. 
He had a choice, either to follow the will of the Father or not. He performed it perfectly. And the Bible says, on the cross, I couldn't believe it, on the cross, Jesus breathed. In fact, he breathed his last breath. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 23, verse 46, and, and we can call Jesus, biblically, the last Adam. The first Adam was totally out of breath. He blew off God's directive. The last Adam, Jesus, performed perfectly. And in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. He breathed his last. His last breath. Jesus died. And the Bible says that Jesus also said before he breathed his last breath, it is finished. It's done. The work has been done. I've lived righteously. I've died sacrificially. And the Bible continues. It talks about it. Don't miss this. Jesus committing himself, giving the totality of who he was to the Father. That means his life, his soul, his spirit, his body, his breath. This word breath in the original language is pronounced pneuma. Read here, wind, spirit, breath. So what did he do? Well, Jesus is dead. The disciples freaked out. They were like, oh, no one told us about this. And, and the Bible says they were holed up in some apartment complex somewhere, just shaking. What do we do now? What do we do now? What do we do now? Jesus is paying for your bad breath and mine, your cover-ups and mine. Then, on Easter morning, God breathed resurrection into Jesus. See, 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 the, see death couldn't hold him down. It was impossible for him to remain dead because he's the sinless sacrifice, the Lamb of God. He burst forth with resurrection power. He moved from the last breath of the crucifixion to the first breath of the resurrection. And, and, and now his body correlates with the resurrection body, but his body is on a whole another level. It's totally different. It's, it's a body, but you can see where the nails went. You can see where he was pierced in the side. Yet, he walks into the apartment complex, walks through walls and doors. And he's talking to the disciples Easter evening. So picture in your mind's eye, it's about 5 o'clock p.m. today. You're scared. You're in an apartment complex. And Jesus just comes right through the walls. How are you doing? You know it knocked the breath out of them. It took their breath away. Oh, I love, I love what, 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 what Jesus did. It says here in John chapter 20, verses 22 and 23. And with that, he breathed, Jesus did, on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. Right now, he's going to the gut of the gospel forgiveness. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. 
the breath, the breath of God. So mark this down. Jesus put death to death so we who are spiritually dead can receive the breath of life and can live forever and ever and ever. That's what Jesus did. He put death to death so we can receive the breath of life. Because if Christ is not alive, nothing really matters. But since he is alive, nothing but that really matters. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Breath meant, I've got bad breath, you've got bad breath. Jesus does not go, whoa, man, you've got a hurricane of halitosis. You've got bad breath, and you're trying to cover up your bad breath with good breath. Good is not good enough, I'm gonna back off. No, he leans in. He breathes on you and me. We either receive the breath, we either inhale it or not. Once we inhale it, we have breath meant. We have meaning, we got purpose, we have power. So we're not really alive until we breathe the breath of Jesus. We don't really understand what life is all about until we breathe the breath of Jesus. I was in a tackle store the other day. I love fishing. I was talking to a man in his 70s. And when I walked in, he goes, whoa, uh, someone told me you're a pastor. I, I didn't know you were a pastor. Yeah, I am, I am. Wow, I hear your church is really large. I said, yeah, it's, a, it's an awesome church, it's a big church. He said, well, my wife is a big Christian. She's a big Christian, but man, I'm not sure, he said. You know, I, I believe, he said, Jesus died and, and rose again because look at the disciples' lives. I mean, they all died martyrs' death, but I've got all these questions, man. I got these questions and I'm just, I don't know. I like, you know that guy, Bill Maher? I, I like Bill because he questions and questions. I said, wait a minute. Bill Maher is a cynic. He's not even a skeptic. He's not smart enough to be a skeptic. Because if you're truly smart, you're not gonna be a cynic. That's just mailing it in. You're gonna be a skeptic and a skeptic will move to a seeker. You're really gonna say, God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. He's like, yeah, I've never thought about it that way. He said, well, you know, all the major world religions are alike. And I said, yeah, there's some similarities, but I said, here's the difference. You go to the leaders of the world religion's graves, they're occupied. You go to Christ's grave, it's empty. I don't know about you, but I'm putting my money on the one who came back from the grave. I don't know about you, but I'm putting my money on the one who breathes the resurrection and the life in my life. That's what I told him. I didn't slam him. I wasn't yelling at him. But I said, you need to move from being a cynic to a skeptic from a skeptic to a seeker. He's like, well, I'm just not sure I have that kind of faith, you know, that faith, I just don't have blind faith. I said, I don't have blind faith. Really? No, I said, I don't have blind faith. I've got questions, I've got doubts. Having questions and having doubts mean you have faith, I said. Because as I always say, with, with certainty, there is no faith. We're saved by grace through faith. 
So I said, the Bible can take your scrutiny, man. I mean, you can read it, you can ask questions, you can read history books, use the classical historical method, use science, use whatever you want to use, philosophy, and you can stack up all of this evidence on one side of the fate line. But after you stack up all this compelling evidence, which I believe outweighs the other evidence, you then must trust. You've got to take a step of faith. I just don't have that kind of faith. I go, are you kidding me? You're a fisherman. You're telling me this lure is gonna catch that many bass and use this rod and reel, and if I go fishing during this moon phase, then, then I'm just gonna fill the boat full up of fish. I said, you've got more faith than I do. You've got faith, but you need to put the faith in the right person, and that person is Jesus. But then, as we talk more and more, I figured out his issue. He goes, my wife's a big Christian, but I've been a bad, bad boy. In other words, his problem was not intellectual. His problem is behavioral. Rarely do I meet anybody who is intellectually honest, who has intellectual problems with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You know why they have these intellectual problems? They just want to blow off God's directives. It freaks them out because they know they need to stand in the brilliant blaze of the glory of God and admit, hey, I've got bad breath. Hey, I've been trying to cover up my bad breath. Hey, I'm comparing myself to this person and that person. I'm rowing faster than the 80-year-old. And surely at the end of the day, God's going to say, hey, you are better than your neighbor. But see, good isn't good enough. It always goes back to bad breath. God only can inhale perfect breath. We got a problem. But no, we don't. Because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, because Jesus has perfect breath, and because he wants to breathe the perfect breath on your life and mine, God now, if we've received the breath of Jesus, when he looks at my life, he doesn't see halitosis. He doesn't see my shams and cover-ups. He sees and he inhales the breath of Jesus. Have you received the breath of Jesus? That's, that's the issue. And that's a true breath meant because your breath will have meaning and power and focus like you've never seen before. Now, your, your homework today is to, is to keep these breath mints. Don't eat them, but remember what they represent the kind of power and the kind of agenda that God has for you. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus exhaled the breath of death so we can inhale the breath of life. We'll never live until we breathe in the breath of God. It totally changed the disciples' lives, there's a movement called the church, read about it in the book of Acts, and it's still going on to this day. So the resurrection is all about resuscitation. We can resuscitate, it's a medical miracle. The resurrection, though, truly does that. We only have a certain amount of breaths, friends. 
That's a limited number. Today could be your last breath. I'm not trying to scare anybody. It could be. Maybe it's 20 years from now, 30 years from now. We have three phases in life. We're in the womb for nine months. We're here on this blue planet for who knows how long, 80, 90 years if we have good genetics. We're in eternity for a long, long time. We're one breath away from living with Jesus. We're one breath away, so many of us, from having true meaning, true power, true purpose. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.